Hi, and welcome to Com Church Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk you're about to hear. Amen. I'm going to ask the uh, worship team to hang on a minute. Bible says in the Psalms that God inhabits the praise or dwells amongst the praise of his people. Amen. So as you make your way down, I want you to do something for us that you will continue and persevere that the Lord and the praises that have gone around, that he would hang on a minute in the praises of his people. Amen. Can you do that? Can you do that for me? For us? Amen. You're relieved. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So the title, if you haven't guessed already, is Hang On a Minute. And it's coming from a place of revelation or a light bulb moment that hang on a minute in Scripture, those hang on a minute moments. And coming from a place on that when you have done everything else to stand, that you would stand again. Amen? So two sides of the same coin. Hang on a minute, as in wait a minute. What was that in Scripture? I've never seen that before. And hang on a minute, as in, you know what? I'm going to stand firm. It might not look like it, but God is still working. I'm going to hang on a minute. Amen? Amen. Let's quickly jump into Scripture because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen? We're looking, our foundational Scripture will be Matthew chapter 14, verse 23 to 33. But let's look at something in Mark. The foundational Scripture is Matthew chapter 14, verse 23 to 33. But let's look at Mark in the first instance. Mark chapter 6, verses 7 to 13. And I call these light bulb, light bulb moments, if I can get the words out. Light bulb moments. Amen? From verse 7. And he, called to the 12, and he called the 12 to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. So they went out and preached that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So this is an instance where Jesus sends out the 12. And the 12 go out, they heal the sick, they anoint with oil, they cast out demons. But in the same chapter 6, if we go down to around about chapter uh, verse 30, it says that then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. Amen. They went out as 12 disciples, but the verse 30 is a hang on or minute moment or a light bulb moment where it says, then the apostles. Hang on a minute. How did 12 suddenly become apostles in the space of a few verses? Yes, I'm sure it was some period of time because they went out just like um, Pastor Helena taught us a while ago that Jesus went around touring the cities. So it took some time. But when they came back, Mark says they were now apostles. Simply the word 
by understanding means ambassadors for Christ. Amen? I thought that was a light bulb moment for me. And then there are more, even in the same chapter. However, let's look at Mark chapter 10, verse 17 to 22. Mark chapter 10, verse 17 to 22. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what should I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. Why do you call me good? So Jesus, a man comes to Jesus. It was a rich man. He had great wealth and says, good teacher. Now, instead of Jesus giving him an answer as to why, what he must do to be saved immediately, he asks, asks him a question and says, why do you call me good? Don't you know there's no one good except God? It's a light bulb moment. Because Jesus is saying, actually, do you recognize that you're calling me good? And that there's no one good except God? Do you recognize that the one you're calling good teacher is me, God? Another light bulb moment. Amen. But here we see the character of Christ Jesus. If you go on in scripture, he tells him that don't defraud, honor your father and mother. And, Jesus, and the man answered him and said, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Amen. Amen. You know, we're going to do a call and response today. The Bible says, he who has an ear, let them So whenever I say he who has an ear, I want to hear you say, let them hear. He who has an ear, amen. So the reason why we're reading scripture after scripture is simply because Bible says that faith comes by and hearing by, amen. So Jesus spoke back to this man and said to him, do this and do this. But the man went away sorrowful. But the thing that is another light bulb moment there is that Jesus looked at this man who said, all these things I have done from my youth. And he loved him. It reminded me of the scripture that says that whilst we were yet sinners, he loved us. Even in his condition, even in his unbelief, if you will, of not being able to go that extra mile, Jesus looked at him and says, he loved him. Amen. It's not just about where we are, who we are, but in that time and season, Jesus still loves us. Amen. Let's look another another light bulb moment. You know, Jesus says things and sometimes people take offense. Jesus went about touring, I just mentioned. And if you look in scripture in Mark 6, sorry, I beg your pardon. I've got my notes here. I don't have an iPad because I keep on having that great fear that I'm standing up here and it turns off. And what would I do? So I've got pages and pages and reams and reams. Amen. 
I'm looking at the scripture in Mark 3, verse 1 to 6. And it says, as, And he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether they would heal him on the Sabbath, so they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Step forward. Then he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them in anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch forth your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out immediately, plotted with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. Now you would think that I would say that the light bulb moment is that there was healing. Which is, but the light bulb moment for me there was that the Pharisees joined with the Herodians and sought to destroy him for a healing, for doing good. You know, Bible says that two cannot work, walk together unless they agree. The Herodians and the Pharisees were not together. They were at enmity. But in seeking to destroy Jesus, they agreed. That is what unity can do negatively. But when we stand in unity with Christ Jesus, when we agree with him that no matter the cost, we will walk forward with him in agreement, we have something we're standing on called belief and faith. You know, we're in a season of promises. And Pastor Sarah started us off with promises. Basically, I can sum it up in a sentence, if I will, if I can, is that there, is a, there are promises and there is a promiser. And that whilst we are to inherit promises, our focus should be on the promiser. Last week, Pastor Julian taught us the four-square gospel about Christ the Savior, Christ the healer, the baptizer, and the soon-coming king. Amen? And the question is, how do we access these promises? You've seen a few things here in Scripture where people acted out on belief. Amen? They acted out on belief. It's simply that. Faith is an act. To access promises, it takes an act. But it's an act of relationship. Only two can walk together unless they agree. It's an act of communication, of relationship. Amen? Let's look at another light bulb moment before we go to the foundational scripture. In the account where the rich man came to Jesus and said, what must I do to be saved? After he left, you know, the, the, the apostles were amazed. They said, what, a rich man, man can't get into the kingdom? They were amazed. How can that be? I thought all rich men must be blessed by God. You know, that they can easily enter the kingdom. Jesus said, no. It's very hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, you know. And then Peter asks him a question in verse 28. Then Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. 
It sounds nice until you get up to the part with persecutions. That's a light bulb moment. If you take, people take offense, some took offense at Jesus' words. But the promise is here that yes, there will be hundredfolds of lands, hundredfolds of mothers, fathers, with persecutions. You know, Jesus stood and said at the time and point that unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, and there was a light bulb moment, people turned back. So what kind of doctrine is this? How can we eat your flesh and drink your blood? And they took offense. But Jesus turned to the 12 and said, are you leaving also? Some of his disciples left. But Peter answered and said, Lord, where are we going? You have the words of life. Moreover, you are the son of God. There's a cost to count. There are promises to inherit. But there's also a perseverance that we must endure. Amen. In Mark chapter 10, verse 46 to 50, they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then he called, they called the blind man saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do? So there's a blind man in front of you. And Jesus, you've been touring, healing. And the question Jesus asks him, so what do you want me to do for you? Duh. I want to be healed. Amen. I want to be healed. So blind Bartimaeus said, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Hold on a second. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And then he says, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus. Was that the way he was going? He was blind. He wasn't going that way. But when he received his sight, when he called out Rabboni, great one, great teacher, a relationship took place. There was a divine exchange. A relationship took place that said, hold on a second. I'm no longer blind. I can see. I'm not going that way. I'm going your way. Amen. Amen. You know what? Let's give God glory because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Our foundational scripture is Matthew chapter 14, verse 23 to 33. But let's read just 31 and I'll try my best to give some type of exposition. So this is the time where Jesus has just fed the 5,000. And incidentally, there's another light bulb moment when you read that scripture 
Jesus had fed the 5,000, then he sent the apostles away, and then he, when he sent the apostles away, he personally saw 5,000 people off. If you read the scripture, it's Mark 45, um, 645, I believe. He says, he personally, he sent them away, and then he, one by one, the compassion of Jesus, 5,000. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. But in the scripture, you see Jesus had prayed all night and then he saw the apostles or the disciples toiling on water, on the water in the boat and began to walk towards them. As he walked towards them, they were afraid and he said, no, be calm, it's just me, good teacher. It's just me, Rabboni. And they said, oh, Peter said, if that is truly you, Lord, can I come to you? And he said, yeah, you can come to me. And Peter started walking on water. So you would think that would be the light bulb moment. But then Peter began to look at the wind and started to sink. You would think that would be the light bulb moment because nobody can see the wind. But what was the light bulb moment for me is that Jesus says, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? And incidentally, when he reached out his hand, I can assure you that Peter walked on water because of that relationship back into the boat. Amen. But the light bulb moment for me is where he says, why did you, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Hold on a second, Jesus, I'm sinking. Why are you giving me that title, you of little faith? Why don't you call me Peter? Here's my hand, take it. But here he says, you of little faith. He wants Peter to understand, and us who would read later, that it just takes that little bit. In fact, there was a time when the apostles were praying and trying to minister to someone, and they couldn't. And they came back to Jesus and said, why couldn't we do it? He said, because of your unbelief. But I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you will move mountains. The title he gave to Peter and you and I is you of little faith. The title of little faith ministers to us in few ways. Faith is an act. You know, last week when you were preaching, Pastor Julian, I was thinking about it and I was walking on the road and I said, oh, so... Is that why, Holy Spirit, the, that um, scripture, that book is called Acts? And he said to me, yeah. And I was like, okay, light bulb moment, but a foolish light bulb moment in my case. That the whole book is Acts. In fact, you mentioned a scripture, if I believe I'm correct, is 3.16, Acts 3.16. That through faith in Jesus, this man was healed. We're talking about the man who was lame at the gate of beautiful. Through faith that comes to Jesus. Amen. How do we access these promises of God? It's belief, trust, ultimately assurance. But what exactly is this thing called faith? In Hebrews 11 verse 1. And verse 6, we see some definitions. The one that is spoken about quite often is, now faith is the substance of things 
hoped for. The evidence of things unseen. Amen. The word there, it says substance. It's an invisible thing, but it manifests visibly. Amen. The word there, substance, is the same word that we see in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. I had to think there. A light bulb moment for me. Amen. It says that Christ himself is the express image. And his person, that word person, his person, is the same word you see for the meaning or definition of faith, substance. It's a nice Greek word which I've been forcing and re- my family to regurgitate the whole week called hypostasis. I've said it very politely. Now I'll say it the West African way, hypostasis. Amen? He who has an ear, he who has an ear, amen. Faith is an act. Now I wish I had an iPad so I could just scroll over. Amen. The same Hebrews talks of a hall of famers. Talks about Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and what they did. And when you read that scripture, it will encourage you. Because it keeps on talking about how Daniel was in the lion's den. How people faced persecutions. But they did not let go. That is the act that we're talking about. That is the act that says, you know what? I'm glad you're going to, we're going to inherit houses. We're going to have mothers and sons and daughters, hundreds, hundredfold. But also, I'm glad that I will also have to move through those struggles. Because out of that endurance, I will grow. The whole understanding is that faith needs to grow from a mustard seed into a big tree. You know, I keep looking down here and forgetting that there are people up there, so I'm going to look up here a bit. Amen? That faith needs to grow into a what? A big tree. And also be shared. And also produce fruit after its own kind. You know, we did an action just before the, the, the worship team left. But the action was that they would also pursue, continue in their office of worship. Just as Jesus sent out the 12 and later on more, he said to them, go. And they were preaching nothing but Jesus, doing nothing but what Jesus saw, producing fruit after Jesus' own kind. And that is what Bible says that we are being transformed into. That we are being transformed from glory to glory. I call them, um, in, my, in my heart, I call Rob, Rob the elder and the other Rob, Rob the younger. And the reason I'm mentioning him is because um, Nathan has been, as uh, Pastor Sarah has been saying, Nathan has been teaching a, a, regarding the Holy Spirit. And on one occasion, Rob was there and there's a passage in Scripture that says, from glory to glory. And Rob said, it also can mean from revelation to revelation. From light bulb moment to light bulb moment. Amen. I'm going to end soon. But that doesn't mean that this word doesn't go on in you. In fact, I was reading Genesis 24, I believe. And it surprised me in this way. That Isaac went out into the fields. And it says that 
Isaac went to meditate. And I was like, Lord, what is he meditating on? There's no New Testament. But he was meditating on God regardless. He was meditating on God regardless. This word goes on and on and on and on from glory to glory, from revelation to revelation until we are transformed. You know, the word, many people will say that I know Jesus is coming soon. But the Bible says that nobody knows the hour or the time. Amen. But can I let you in on a secret? Bible says that he's coming for a spotless bride. Those who stand in faith, those who are called, those who are chosen and faithful. He's coming from a spotless bride. So when you see the church moving from that glory to glory, from that revelation to revelation, standing on faith, persevering in the face of, of crisis after crisis, but coming out victorious, being more than conquerors, please be watchful. Be watchful. Amen. Amen. He who has an ear. Amen. So these Hall of Famers, they've gone through actions. They've gone through experience. And it gives us insight into a firm foundation, which is Jesus, the hypostasis, to stand on. It's a confirmation that Jesus is indeed the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. Amen. You know, there is a, my younger sister, I've got two sisters, and the younger one keeps on sending me these memes, but Bible-based memes. And she sent me one by a man called uh, Charles Stern, Spurgeon, is that right? I'm sure you know him, Charles Spurgeon, if I can find it here in my notes. And he gave a word titled, The Bible, Bible Tried and Proved. And there is just a little from, I've taken a little bit from that sermon. And it says, you may lean your whole weight upon only one of the words of God. And they will bear you up. In your darkest hour, you may have no candle but a single promise. And yet that lone light shall make high noon of your midnight. Glory be to his name. The word of the Lord's are without evil, without error and without failure. Amen. The Bible in Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, I'm reading just 28, says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavily laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is right light. You know, that is what we're talking about, agreement. That two can't walk together unless they agree. That is what being yoked is in relationship. And you know the burden is simply righteousness. And he's already done that already. He says, my righteousness is of you. Amen. There's another secret. Psalm 91 calls us to act. Just like Abraham, Isaac, calls us to be in relationship. You know, that psalm is very deep because before you even get to the verse, the light bulb moment that I'm talking about, it mentions three dynamics of God, three characters of God, the covering of coverings, which is the most high. He mentions God as the Lord, as the I am who I am. He mentions him as Elohim, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He mentions him as the Almighty, El Shaddai. Amen. But the thing that is secret to every relationship is communication. 
in verse 2 or 3. Is it there? Oh, thank God for that. Says, I will say of the Lord. That's the key. There are several promises after that. Promise after promise after promise. If it had not been for time, I would read the whole psalm. But if you look at that verse, it says, I will say of the Lord that he is my what? And my what? And I will do what? Have assurance, trust, faith, belief, confidence, hypostasis. In who? In who? In Christ Jesus. In God. Amen. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to get in touch, visit our website at www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.